The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you a CEO or ready to become one? Have we got an hour for you. Welcome to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. We're ready to set you up for success. Your reputation with shareholders and clients is important. But standing apart from your competitors is also essential to your success. We'll help you do both. Now, here is your host, Pam Lassiter. We're so glad you're here today. Welcome to the CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. I'm your host, Pam Lassiter, and you can email me at info at ceoacademywithpam.com. You can connect on facebook.com slash Consulting or follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. This show is your go-to place for honing the right skills to become a CEO and to stay there as a strategic competitive leader. Our guest today, who has done this honing and staying at the top repeatedly, is John Humphrey, Chair and Principal of Humphrey Enterprises, a private equity company, and CEO of Humphrey Companies, a holding company. Make sure you find him and his companies at HumphreyEnterprises.com. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Delighted to be here, Pam. Thank you. I'm going to tell them a little bit about the topic, and then I'm going to tell them something about your background, which I'm going to have to shorten because there's a lot of it, too. Today, our topic is about going big, scaling your company from an idea to a global enterprise. Whether you're just starting to think about scaling or a mid-process, you'll leave this show with new strategies to start and continue your momentum. Scaling is something we all think about and all may well want, but the tricky part is doing it, especially time after time after time. That means that you're more than lucky. We're in the hands of the master of repeating success today. <laughs> That's you. You never thought of yourself like that, I'm did dazzled. you? <laughs> oh, just wait. John Humphrey. John has co-founded seven organizations, taken two to global prominence in different industries, and had three exits through acquisitions. When I mentioned John's companies earlier, the Humphrey Enterprises and Humphrey uh, Companies, I didn't mention that the holding company, the Humphrey Companies one, includes Hadley Products, Corvac Composites, Nelson Metal Products, an automotive casting supplier that was named GM Supplier of the Year for three consecutive years. The company was then acquired. John also co-founded the Forum Corporation, which became the global market leader in corporate training, providing outsourced training to over a million people globally in 13 languages. That must have been hard to speak that many. For companies (laughs) such as DuPont, Vanguard, Mellon, and KPMG Canada, then was acquired by Pearson. John also has a totally separate side on nonprofits, which I hope we can touch on towards the end of our show today. He was national chair of the American Society of Training and Development, which is a giant organization, or the biggest one for training, as well as other organizations receiving several Lifetime Achievement Awards and is currently serving as chair emeritus of the Boston Ballet. John, I told you that was just the beginning. That was the shortened version. So thank you. I'm looking forward to your thoughts about just a small piece of all of this, which is the globalization piece, but a very complicated one. Mm-hmm. I'd like to start from the beginning. Often we have several turning points in our lives that we don't even realize are pivotal until we look back on them that help shape our careers. And Let me ask you to tell us a little bit about early on. Did you get your Boy Scout badge in business management, or (laughs) did you uh, have a business math teacher that you really liked? Or what got you captivated early on about businesses and leading them? Well, uh, my dad was a doctor, an osteopath. 
Oh. And who uh, was very Canadian. He was, yeah. uh, I am a second generation immigrant here from Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he was uh, in, in the 1940s. I was born in 37. In the 1940s, he was thought that uh, medicine would be socialized. And so he became very interested in business and raised both of his sons, my brother and I, to be business people. Really? And uh, he thought that uh, engineering was the right. If you were in the 50s and you were good at math and Sputnik was circling overhead, Mm -hmm. it was a a national purpose to go get an engineering degree. So I did that and and then uh, was in the Navy in the ROTC program. And it was in college and in in the Navy where I really got a strong taste of leadership. I was president of my fraternity and had campus-wide offices and uh, and the Navy had a fabulous leadership program and and uh, put uh, ensigns, brightly shined ensigns out, managing people 15 years older than they were, doing things that only they knew how to do as opposed to you, without any control of what they were paid. Or, and uh, it was a great, great leadership experience. So I came back to Harvard Business School, and uh, uh, which was a pivotal moment. Uh, and I was uh, a student of General Dorio. Okay. Uh, oh, a, from the beginning, a, that a, a giant in the field. Give them a one-sentence definition of what General did. Well, General Dorio taught at uh, Harvard from I think 1926 to 1964, something like that, and, and uh, had 365 Fortune 500 CEOs and former students. And v- uh, a VC, he was a first venture and capitalist. And he was the first venture capitalist in the, this country. Yeah. Uh, with so American research and development, and and. Uh, a man of uh, dazzling wisdom and and uh, yeah. and insight who paid attention to his students. Whoa! Imagine that <laughs> he wasn't above <laughs> every us. Every one of them. Every one of them. So you had a couple of pivotal moments in there that got you. And actually, the Navy. Yeah. Is a training ground that yeah. I have great respect yeah. for. Too. Yeah. You were in. They threw you in the deep end. Yes, <laughs> I was uh, on destroyers, which was terrific. And uh, Captain Hill, who had only been a captain in the Navy, captain of PT boats and mine oh. sweeps, and and uh, he was an early mentor through this process. I was, I was gifted by having spectacular mentors Leadership. into my yeah into my later years. So you had leaders in front of you. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you the question if leaders were born or made, but I think you may have just answered that. Hmm. You, well, you know, at Forum and the training, we did a lot of study on research, and the answer to that is yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes all of the above? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yes and yes, <laughs> okay. which is the, the inclination and the confidence, and uh, there's certainly some traits I'd call them. But mm. the practice of leadership, the actual doing of leadership mm. uh, is uh, something that people can and do learn. Um, uh, we used to call it, call it an unnatural act. You had to learn to be a good leader, even if you were <laughs> inclined toward it, to actually do the practices yeah. of leadership. So it's like practicing yeah. any sport right. or skill. You that's have right. to keep doing it. 10,000 hours of Directed yeah. talent. Wow, that's it's kind of scary, but yeah. it gets better with time, right? <laughs> uh, so you had these pivotal moments to be- begin with, and you started your first company. What after school? Well, I started. I uh, uh, I went to work for IBM out of, out Ooh, of the business good training. school. Great training. Okay. Fab Dorio said, "Go to IBM. They know how to train you. You need to learn how to be a salesperson, among other things." Interesting. And you then, notice uh, that John went from engineering and combined that with sales. Yeah. Great combination. And then uh, Sterling Livingston, uh, another professor at the business school, had been pursuing me to join him to start a company, and I did that. And after two years at IBM, started a company called Sterling Institute. Sterling, and you were like mid-20s at that point. I was mid-20s. Did you ever think of starting a company yourself? I I did not. I actually did not. It's it's uh, the notion of starting a company uh, was uh, awesome. Yeah. To me, when I was a scary when too. I was a kid, I remember mm-hmm. my. Uh, I think in tenth grade there was an occupational, uh, occupational sec- section, and I did, 
wrote that I wanted to be a professional golfer. That was my, that, that was my 10th grade aspiration. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Still but at, uh, with Livingston, we bought a company from David McClelland in the achievement motivation area, yeah. achievement motivation training. And oh, okay. That was when nobody knew how to spell entrepreneur. McClelland actually created that word with yeah. oh, really? an article. Yeah, well, You're not created the word, David, but right? made, it, made it popular. And, and, uh, and I caught the bug from him on entrepreneurship. Wow. So that is where the first, so you didn't think about starting a company. I'm looking at scaling early on. We're going to be getting to global, but it has to start with the first company and getting, just like you were talking about in the Navy, get Mm -hmm. earning your, I guess you don't earn spurs in the Navy, you earn your stripes. (laughs) And that's what you were doing with your first company. So the concept. And I did have, uh, you know, I I was in, uh, went to Europe in the Navy and, uh, on my first cruise, midshipman cruise, I went to Japan oh, okay. and China. My my third midshipman cruise. So there was interesting a, global as exposure. A, yeah, as a kid from Iowa, I I got some global uh, global exposure. Okay, that's that was important yeah, for the long term important. too. I have a feeling too. So you've got your first company that you're working on, having fun with. Yeah. Actually, what I find just scaling it to get through payroll and get yeah. through the uh, revenue positive side. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a challenge or did that kind of flow? No, it was a challenge. All of that was a, ch- all of that was a challenge. Uh, uh, in, the, in the forum, the second company, third company, I guess you'd, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd call it, uh, in, in our quality work there, uh, we learned from the Japanese how important process was, mm-hmm. and uh, okay. and it, it, the the first element of being global is to have processes that can deliver on a global basis. Mm-hmm. That is that can you can pick them up and put them in different places, and uh, so at Forum we learned uh, how to. Uh, Take the processes that were working for us at the home office in Boston and trans- transfer them to Prague and London and Milan and Singapore and Melbourne and Hong Kong and Tokyo. So this is your third in forum, yeah, and you were forum. So was this working then? Yes, ab- okay. absolutely. And uh, the way you, you mentioned a million, trained a million people in thirteen languages, you have to have a process that yeah. that will apply that you can actually do that. So. We trained at uh, one time. We trained twenty thousand Navy people. Everybody from the Secretary of the Navy down to the to a GS sixteen, I think it was, in um, three day programs on how to implement uh, management incentive uh, program, uh, which required them to learn how to set goals and review goals and make uh, and so, in uh, about a ten month in a ten month period. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have a you have a training program that has a process that mm-hmm. you can train other people to execute that yeah. pro- process, because uh, as you, you you asked me here earlier about what do you learn from the automotive industry that helps you in the training industry and vice versa, as you learn that uh, you can only deliver mm-hmm. what a process, what the pro- as good a result as, as the, the process, process will deliver. is. To, it's fortunate they all spoke English too, yes. which is helpful. What I want to get to is actually scaling it to different companies, different countries. Yeah. To have the Navy in English was a great way to start. Yes, absolutely. And then getting into different countries too. And I want to I had a couple yeah. of other questions, but we're going to take a break in just a minute. And we're going to come back in three minutes and we're going to talk about getting big, the why, when, and how of going global. So see you in three minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. 
The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're back from break. Welcome. And we're talking to John Humphrey of Humphrey Enterprises and Humphrey Companies. We're talking about going global, too, and we're just talking about how John started going global with some of his earlier companies. I want to get back to a question we didn't explore as much as I was hoping to about why do you decide, once you started going to different countries, why do you decide to do this anyway? You're growing a company, it is doing well, and you make a decision to take a leap. Yeah. Why? And it's a big leap. It is. By the way, it takes longer and costs more than you can imagine. It's more complicated. You can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Introduces complications to you. That yeah. One of the things you learn about, about global is that something bad is happening <laughs> someplace in the world every year. That will, So it's not just a tsunami in Japan isn't a one-time thing. There's also a, a coup in Turkey where I happen to have a plant now. Oh, really? Foreign exchange exposures and... So it's uh, got a lot of costs, a lot takes longer, and has substantially increases the risk. And the outside reason, of that, <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason to do it, the reason to do it is is that uh, is often because your customers demand it. So in training, when we helped Citibank, when Forum helped Citibank uh, uh, implement their global consumer banking system, okay. we had to be able to train managers in in Greece and in Syria and in Hong Kong and in Melbourne and in New York. Uh, so we had to be able to do that, or else we we couldn't deliver the uh, we couldn't deliver product. What's interesting is that you backed into going global. Oh, no, no, no. We didn't back into it. <laughs> we didn't back into it at all. We were there at Citibank saying, we can do this. Right? Yeah. We can do this. And we had already uh, done several global uh, initiatives at that, uh, Before at that time. So we were a big part of the British Airways uh, turnaround from worst to first and other things. Okay. But the, the point I was trying to, trying to make is that one of the reasons you go global is because your customers demand it. Uh, in the trucking business, where one of our companies delivers horns and leveling valves and that kind of thing for components for heavy trucks, mm-hmm. trucks are all owned. The trucking companies are owned by European companies, mostly German. And uh, so, if you want to pr- be a supplier in that market, you need to be able to supply in Germany and the United States and eventually China. And same thing in automotive. Uh, if you're going to be on global cars, which is where the automotive business is going, mm-hmm. you need to be able to deliver in China, United States, Mexico, Europe, Brazil. Oh, globally. Yeah. Brazil, too. Uh, the advantage of starting with an American base, you had some major yes. global clients that you started with in America. Absolutely. And then they helped Absolutely, and you well. need you need to have some place to that you can test out your processes so they'll work. And you also need to build up some balance sheet strength because when you play in the play in the street, when you go global, <laughs> bad things will happen, and you need to be able to sustain yourself in those bad times. Yeah, let me pick up on that point for a second. You mentioned that everything, something's bad happening yeah. everywhere in the world and something's going to affect you every not everywhere year. but someplace in the world that will affect you so yeah you'd be surprised how much the floods in thailand three years ago affected north american automotive production did they really yeah okay so how do you you plan you can't plan for it no so how do you mentally handle it and what do you well you you uh and i think this is a, a key piece because most people don't uh manage risk uh, uh, manage risk systematically. So you you need to have a identification of what the risk factors are and make a 
a uh, assessment of them on a on a routine basis and have mitigating strategies so you need to know what you're going to do when toyota closes down its plants for a month because they can't get parts out of northern japan this is just like the Navy, isn't it? Isn't there some, <laughs> yeah, it is right? like <laughs> in this scenario planning like the, all the time? Uh, what if somebody bombed somebody or whatever? <laughs> the longest time I spent at sea in, in the 60s was uh, 26 days at sea as a, wow. as a midshipman mm-hmm. uh, off the coast of China. Whoa. When, uh, when the Marines went ashore in Lebanon, people have forgotten this. As a matter of fact, in Lebanon, the Marines were chasing the bikini-clad girls around. We didn't know anything <laughs> about that. Assignment. But we yeah. in the Pacific Fleet were at combat alert, standing condition wow. three watches because of the potential for for uh, something bad to happen. happen. I'm not going to ask you, what, or you'd have to kill me. But it was, <laughs> John's had an, another career we will never know about. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's a totally different uh, yeah. environment. Both of those yeah. units were in, but you still had the scenario yeah. planning and the uh, uh, but you, you said, why do you go global? That's one reason your customers demand it. Another yeah. one is, is that you see the opportunity to spread your fixed costs over a larger market. So essentially, it's entering new markets with, yeah. your, uh, with your product. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's a new market, same product uh, strategy that works very well for a lot of people. If the product translates That's right, if at the product all levels. Translates. So I want to come to that with getting Mm -hmm. into some of the hairy details of global. But let me ask you about one other thing that precedes that. You mentioned with a lot of your companies you have co-partners. Yes. And I've seen more partnerships dissolve and some friendships along with it. How do you manage that and decide about it and the advantages of it? Well, first of all, there's great power in team. Yeah. I mean, um, I was smitten with that great power and team at, at uh, early in my career. Uh, and in terms of growing at the forum, we, with a team, we were able to begin that company with a Boston office, a New York office, a Washington office, and a, and a Chicago office, and somebody handling production because we had that team yeah. in place. And, uh, uh, and that team stayed together for 20 years. And That's then amazing. one by one, they yeah. left. And I, but when we sold the business after 29 years, there were still two of those five people uh, with still. the company. And I think that the, uh, I don't think, I, 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 am, I am sure the trick to that is to, is to continue to work alignment, to continue to work the strategy and the alignment through time. Now, alignment is not something you do and then put on the shelf. Alignment is something you work every day. In the same way that trust isn't something you do and they put on the shelf, it's something mm-hmm. you do every day in order to keep the keep the trust. And as the CEO of that business with, with leaders and uh, partners in uh, global locations in London and mm-hmm. in the country, I worked every day hard at, at uh, keeping alignment. We met frequently face-to-face. And uh, uh, and to make sure this was working for everybody, because the key here in this kind of service business, this forum was, was do you put your money in your pocket or do you invest it in the company? Pretty if you best. put your money in your pocket or do you invest it in the company? And for 29 years, that was always an issue about whether we're going to get new drapes for the dining room or whether we're going to build a computer, program, computer system that will service in Prague and New Zealand. B. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the right, hopefully that's part of the alignment. Well, yeah, you don't. So we have a fairly complex uh, uh, process where people could cash out a little money to uh, mostly show their spouses that there was actually money. In <laughs> they were earning a living. Place. Yeah. <laughs> we can feed the kids but, this week. But the team, team has such power. If you work it and if you keep it, keep working it and keep working it and keep working it and mostly you work it around issues of alignment. Alignment means getting everybody. Yeah. This is more the training yeah. point, getting everybody. Aligned on the strategy, the committed direction. to the strategy, working it hard on the strategy. This is what I see a lot of companies missing, yeah. the consistent yeah. revisiting. You know what's important to us, I'll just add this, can I? Please, uh, please. Is, uh, this was a business that was started by five guys. Uh uh, nobody owned more than half the stock. No, no three people owned half the stock unless I was one of those three. Um, and uh, so keeping the alignment around that really was difficult. We had a board of directors. So we were like a private company with, yeah. a, with 
small, you know, $3 million uh, growing to $100 million over over time. But we had a, a Hall of Fame board of directors that I that I recruited who were really mentors to the group and who who kept us aligned uh, and kept kept us supported that process. And that's and, an uh, important point, the board yeah. of directors and yeah. who you solicit and who's on And it. so as a private company, we published our numbers and... Ooh, and, uh, you were acting big already. Yeah, we yeah, acted. We, <laughs> we put out an annual report. We gave it to our clients that we, we were trying to help them be successful as businesses. We should show them how we... That yeah. we were successful as businesses. Well, you were modeling yes. after the. That's when I was been doing some judging yeah. for uh, competitions for best privately yeah. held companies, and we always use the stand the SEC standards yeah. and the publicly held standards, and there are not a lot that can pass all those, yeah. and that's what you were shooting for, yeah. which was really important too. Uh, I want to. Are there times, just briefly, when you shouldn't go international? Yes, I think so. I huh. think so. Okay. Well, uh, as I said, the uh, international will cost more, global will cost more and okay. more money and have more problems and it'll take longer. So if you're not prepared, if you don't have the financial resources mm. to sustain those risks, you should not do it until you do, until you have that or else you'll hang yourself out on the uh, on the coup in Turkey. So if we... Uh, you know, our startup in Turkey, which was supposed to be cash flow positive mm-hmm. after a year, turned out to lose two and a half million dollars in that uh, in in Whoa. that year. Yeah, surprise. And, uh, and uh, continued to lose a hundred thousand dollars a year into the ne- hundred thousand dollars a month into the next year. Uh, if we didn't have the resources to do that, we'd be in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. So you got to have the resources to do it. And the second, I think, is, is unless you have mm-hmm. unless you have compelling customer need for it. It's much more difficult. Uh, that's compelling customer need. So you can tell that that you have compelling customer need from foreign locations. You can tell that by what your customers are asking you to do. So you may not even have the customers in Pakistan yet, yeah. but you're going to yeah. uh, bring them in, find them out, yeah. interview them, focus groups, yeah. whatever. Okay, so you, it's determining what those yeah. customers you don't even have. Yeah. Yet might want. And the ones you do have. Who okay. And being able to absorb the losses, yeah. that's a giant point, too. Yeah. Okay, well, those are great points. So you just don't jump because it looks good. You have to do your planning. No yeah. surprise here, yeah. too. And planning includes the risk assessment. Okay, the risk assessment. Yeah, that's a big, mm-hmm. uh, that can be for the global disasters that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to break now, but I, you've got an assignment during break, too, to help. Uh, build out some of the things that John is talking about on globalization and making the decisions to go global. On my LinkedIn site, there's an article, a Harvard Business Review best-selling article called Managing Differences, the Central Challenge of Global Strategy. HBR may ask you to buy the article, but just skim the three A's on the first page if you get a chance. And I'll just go over them briefly when we come back because they're part of some global decision-making, too, that'll be helpful. So we'll see you in three minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. 
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, John Humphrey is with us today talking about going global taking your business idea into a global enterprise. And we were just talking about when not to go global, which there are occasions to do that as well. John has done something that's fairly unusual. He's taken industries that are as different as training, which is a clear-cut service industry, to manufacturing global. Are there different – how do you decide when to do global and does the industry it's in – affect your decision oh yes yes absolutely okay uh, because again it's about customers so the, the uh, training customers uh, wanted us to be able to deliver Citibank wanted us to deliver in what various locations in the world okay. Pepsi wanted us to deliver in various locations uh, and uh, and therefore we had to we had to be there because it's basically a local business at the same time it's a global business okay and if it's in China and you're going to while well, the, the senior person t- 20 years ago would know English, the next level down wouldn't. So you had mm-hmm. to be able to do it in, in uh, Mandarin. Um, so you had to figure out how to, how to produce a speaker in Mandarin. Uh, and how to hire yeah, and train, how to hire, train them and get mm-hmm. them to, to be able to do it. And, and to do it in a way that they only attracted costs when they were attracting revenue. So we used contract instructors. We had a structure that enabled them to do that. So at the end, uh, when we sold this in 200, we were training in 13 different languages around the around the world. In the, uh, but we didn't have the kind of local investment you have to have in automotive, uh, where uh, if you want to be on a global car, which is now about 65% of the cars built, then you need to be able to deliver globally, or they won't use your processes or your. So, uh, so with Honda right now, we don't, we uh, are only on North American de- designed Honda cars okay. because we can't deliver Honda in Europe or China. But that was a conscious decision that we don't want to deliver. No, that's a, just the limits of our capability. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was part of the strategic you know, plan. Are, plan the, yeah, these plants are twenty million dollars a clatter. So. So you have so to don't be, go uh, there. You have to be thoughtful about it. Yeah, and that has to be yeah. Yeah. your main, overwhelming yes. main focus yes. of your company. Yes. You didn't want it to drive everything yeah. else, no pun intended. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So different decisions and different strategies yeah. if you're if you're in different industries too. That was complicated mm-hmm. too. Uh, what seems to be the sticking point in going multinational? For companies, I'm hearing about culture a lot and making culture uh, consistent across the globe. Is that smart, or how do you think about culture when you're? Well, it's really difficult. You know, when we first did this, uh, what your friends at uh, at the business school told me, for at Harvard Business School told me, was the most difficult part of your organization to cult to globalize mm-hmm. would not be your uh, your office and London, it would be your office in Boston, the home office, because people were used to thinking of themselves as the center of it. And, and uh, uh, it's it's making it that that central office receptive to and, and capable of and interested in what's happening in the UK and what's happening in Italy and what's happening in Prague and and. Uh, uh, and, and somehow taking them to that place. So mm-hmm. things we did, we, we uh, took a camera crew and, and videotaped people in different locations, you know, and then voicemail came and you could talk to people in different uh-huh. locations. And now, of course, it, we, we have video conferencing. You can talk yeah, to people. That's and, uh, changed. But, uh, uh, and connecting to them. One of the most stunning experiences I, I've ever had in business, I was at home uh, on Christmas. Yeah. 
uh, early in the morning it was dark and uh, I on, in, in our family tradition I cook the turkey at Christmas and Thanksgiving great, great and, tradition. I make, and I make oyster stuffings Ooh. so I'm in my kitchen in Boston making oyster stuffing and, and thinking about the, the dark the sun going down and these short periods of time and and uh, what it was like, must have been like for people who didn't know the sun was going to come back and so in a in a moment of <laughs> in a moment of communicative zeal <laughs> I picked up the phone and dialed up my private code for Forum Worldwide and I spoke to Forum Worldwide a Aww. little little four and a half minute homily about oyster stuffing and darkness and the light coming and all of that. Aww. And I have to say, I I still get, so this has got to be now 20 years ago, I still get Facebook requests for my oyster stuffing recipe. Oh, I thought you were going to say you inspired us so <laughs> no. much and we think of the day. No, no they think oyster of your... Oyster stuffing, well, I think they do. <laughs> they still think of that message. But the point of it in terms of culture is that at that time we had a culture built that was ready to receive yeah. that kind of message. And, and I was capable of delivering it in a kind of a multicultural, uh, multicultural way. And I think back on it now and I say, my, my goodness, maybe I should have talked about oyster stuff more often. Sooner. Yeah. Well, come up but with another was, recipe. But it was part of being a person, you know, yeah. part of being a person and, and, and communicating to them. But uh, the ability to... Uh, to manage people in, dis- di- in dispersed locations, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a gathering body of knowledge about how to do how to do that, and it's absolutely critical to uh, to being global. Uh, uh, there's only uh, a few hours in the early morning when one can rise in Boston and speak to the people in Hong Kong and. And uh, Prague at the same time on the on the phone, and, and so getting up at that time and it's having management it. meetings when mm-hmm. when it was uh, working hours in different places is just a small little piece of how one does that. And that's important. I've yeah. seen companies rotate it yeah. so everybody takes a hit sometime. Yeah. The one thing I haven't seen companies do consistently that I think makes a real difference, especially with virtual teams, yeah. is protecting money in the budget to have them get together face to face at least once a year. Yes. John and I were talking earlier about trust and how critical that is. Yeah. If you actually get to meet somebody, that makes so much difference yes. in building. Makes trust. a huge difference. Yeah. So that Citibank uh, now Citicorp program, yeah. we we made, we uh, conducted that called managing people at Forum in in New York, and in Hong Kong, and in. Uh, 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 it, it was like Cyprus or someplace like that. And they sent people from various parts of the world to those parts. So people from New York went to Cyprus. To, really? And, okay. and to, to, to develop courses or, or, uh, or classes that were uh, on site. Heter- they were heterogeneous mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. developed those relationships. That's- it was a, inspired, also very costly. Well, <laughs> but very thoughtful. Like, m- like many inspired things are very <laughs> costly. costly, but, but it you, worked. You it got worked. repeat business off of that, too, yeah, yeah. which paid for itself, yeah. ultimately, too. You know, there is so much more we could talk about with globalization, but I wanted to get to two points about John and his life that are a little bit harder to find. One is the impact that nonprofits have had not only on him, but maybe on his companies. I'm going to ask about that in a second. And plus, you may be a CEO or maybe working your way up to the presidency of a nonprofit organization as well. So some of these principles will be totally transferable and may inspire you too. Mm -hmm. So tell me, you spend a lot of time on nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Is that a value statement or is it something you see synergies between business or how did that get started? Well, it got started because I was traveling so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I flew into Boston on the Eastern Airlines shuttle. This is many years ago. Yeah, I remember well. <laughs> and Boston Magazine had a, this was the early 70s, Boston Magazine had a cover article on the 100 most important people in Boston. And not only was I not one of them, I only knew three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that made you, that and inspired I, you, didn't yeah, it? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you don't live in Boston, John. You just you just travel through here. This is oh. just a stop on the carousel. Oh, so I decided that if I recruited myself to some not-for-profits, uh, I, I would have another reason to stay home and I'd have a way of, of 
knowing people in Boston. So I went out That's and, and uh, recruited myself and looked for places that could, that uh, that needed me and pe- places I thought I could make a difference. And I joined the board of the zoo and the ballet oh, and okay. uh, junior achievement, I think it was. And uh, uh, and I really got hooked on the nonprofit frame, particularly when I was uh, chairman of the ballet for 15 years over a 20-year period and, and saw that business grow from a $3 million budget to a $25 million budget dur- during that time. Uh, and it had it had such an impact on me, yeah. such an impact. Because, well, there's a quote. We just have a couple minutes till the break. But there's a quote of yours I love, that I went to the ballet to take business strategies and techniques, but I learned that I should take ballet into my life instead. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why don't you uh, touch on that now, if you will, and maybe we should have it in the next segment, too. Well, I learned uh, uh, the, 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 the initiating insight for that was in traveling in Japan to learn how, uh, how they were doing quality, and they... They, quality circles were a big part of that, mm-hmm. and the uh, key was that uh, that people volunteered to be a part of the quality circles. And as I traveled Japan to observe these quality circles and in uh, uh, Deming award-winning companies, it clearly was not discretionary, hmm. right? So we think of volunteer as being discretionary, and the mm-hmm. Japanese think of volunteer as being with a willing spirit. With a willing spirit. I should tell my children and, that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with a willing spirit. And I, these not-for-profits uh, travel on their volunteer armies. And the question for me was how to get a willing spirit there. And I realized in doing that that the people that work for the forum could all go get another job. Mm-hmm. You know, they could all get another job the next day. They were working with the forum with a willing spirit and, and that I needed to keep them engaged in the same way that I kept the volunteers at the ballet engaged and that I saw in Japan. It was a spectacular insight. An aha moment, yeah. too. Yeah. That is a great story, too. Let me, let's hold that story for just a second. We're going to go on a break, and then we'll come back to wrap on professional associations and involvement in nonprofit, but to also hear about personal life and a quick summary. So, a lot going on. Come back in three minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network lassiter consulting works privately with senior level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek you can improve your work success in your current company choose them for outplacement or career change or explore retirement lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're here with John Humphrey of Humphrey Enterprises and Humphrey Companies talking about scaling your company from a thought to a global enterprise. 
We're going to be wrapping up some in this segment, but the first thing I wanted to wrap on was the nonprofits. Just a general question, John. The importance of nonprofits has grown to you over time, yeah. hasn't it? Yes, it has. It really has. And uh, what you learn from nonprofits uh, is that uh, uh, there are there are people search, searching for meaning. It's more obvious in nonprofits mm-hmm. than it is in business, but they're the same people and they're seeking meaning in your business. Mm-hmm. So to run your business like it's a nonprofit and to give your employees, create meaning in their jobs and in their roles and what you're up to uh, is really uh, important. There's a, there's a homily here that when you're in uh, the leaders in difficult times need to do three things. They need to keep the flag up. That is the vision really clear. They need to celebrate small victories and they need to communicate, communicate, communicate. But uh, my experience is you need to do that all the time. You Mm -hmm. need to be the person who's talking about the vision and about and about the meaning and the vision for your people and to celebrate victories, to have people feel recognized on a daily basis. And, uh, and to communicate, communicate, communicate yeah. over and over and over. And, uh, Kennedy, Bob Kennedy was the CEO. I worked with him for 15 years at Union Carbide until he retired as the CEO. And at our last meeting together, he turned to me and he said, you know what I've learned from you, John, over 15 years of doing this? And I said, what's that, Bob? And he said, I've learned to be boring. Because <laughs> I'm to, repeating myself. I've learned to repeat the same thing 18 <laughs> times so people will get it, you know? Yeah. And that's really true. Yeah. No, it works that with all of us, say too. It over and over and over again. But I love the way you brought the nonprofit yeah. back in. That's a number one retention yeah. tool is meaning. So yeah. listeners, you got more than global today. you got some leadership lessons, too. I want to ask John just to go into a big subject briefly, which is a challenge. But the concept of traveling a lot when you have a family at home and the personal side of that, how do you balance all that and keep everybody together? Well, I I don't think you can balance it. Uh, I, okay. I, I think balance, I'll, I'll disagree with our, our good friend Howard Stevenson here and say, I don't think it's about balance. I think it's about integration. Uh, and uh, so I traveled half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is half the nights I had, I, I spent uh, in, in Boston, including weekends. Um, and uh, that's a real test of your mm-hmm. relationship with your spouse. So what you need is a really strong spouse. But I involve my kids. They're girls. They're now in their, in their 30s in the business. I was terribly impressed with the Henning and Jardine data and the, the, that women that were successful in business were a part of their father's business. Mm-hmm. So I took my kids yeah. to board meetings when they were six and seven and eight years old. Uh, and uh, every year, at least one of my business trips, I took one of my d- daughters uh, and uh, uh, and so they they came to like that and came to know the people in some way, you know, and know what their dad that's smart uh, what their dad was doing. Uh, and the last piece is, and this I, I think is true. There was an obscure piece of research that said that what the the things that kids remember twenty five years later, you know, what is that? Where's the leveraged opportunity? The thing they remembered is, did you show up for their ball games? Oh, did they really? show up? Did they show up for yeah. the choir? Did you show up for, for the birthday event? parties? Yeah, for birthday parties. Yeah. So I. I planned my business around showing up for for them, the important for things the, for the things that were important to them. To them yeah, but that that they're important to them, and they they, they have remember those, that. Yeah, still. they still have those tales. Very strategic on your part yeah. too. So that all worked out eventually yeah. too. Yeah. So that's something. Uh, not to say, by the way, fifty percent travel creates lots of stress. Oh yeah, no, so, absolutely. And the, having the partner, yeah. the best, and but getting yeah. the kids to understand yeah. it yeah. early on was really wise yeah. too. So I'm going to move on to summarizing. We could go on about this for hours, and maybe there'll be a sequel, globalization, the the sequel. (laughs) But to summarize where we've headed so far today, uh, the main point I got at the beginning was join the Navy. So that's uh, that's your number one assignment right there, too. But the, it's not join the Navy to see the world. It's join the lady, Navy, Navy to, to learn get the how to training. be a leader, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it worked, yeah. too. And uh, could be any of the armed yeah. forces would give you that same training, too. The processes, so you can take something across the globe. Yeah. Repeatable, repeatable process. Repeatable. That's a 
perfect yeah. word to use. Something bad's going to happen all the time. So, Bill, or in the globe, somewhere that's going to affect your company. So, do your risk assessment early on. Get yeah. your scenario plannings yeah. and make sure you have the financial cushion to absorb yeah. that. Because w- without financial flexibility, there is no strategic flexibility. So, having the financial flexibility, yeah. So you can't just spring yeah. early. The power of alignment, communicate, 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 both at home as well as at work, and the partnerships has been a theme throughout your businesses, and it's given you the strength to grow and to expand, where there's some learning to build the partnerships, to get the teams on board early. I'd like to tie that into what you said about meaning and roles Mm -hmm. how do you get people engaged it's because we feel like we're doing something worthwhile something important yeah and if your businesses are further away like I may the people I work with in biotech get they're doing something important sometimes people in parts of financial services are going what am I doing that's meaningful you can figure that out as a CEO and it's communicating to them and helping them get why it's meaningful there's their leaps and there are so many meanings financial services and keeping homes and families and livelihoods together that you could make that help them get to the meaning. And what else should I touch on? You've got a lot of the global pieces embedded in those. Using you use So I will add one I didn't yeah, say, please. which is one of my lessons here in the time is is it always takes longer than you think. Oh, when I was that's when great. I was young, I thought if you couldn't get it done in five years, it wasn't worth doing. And now I know that if it doesn't take at least ten years, <laughs> it is not, it's, it's not worth doing. We're gonna. That is a pithy note from John. We are going to end on, and I want to thank you for joining us. Hope you have a lot of fresh ideas that are now in your toolkit and in your carry-on suitcase for scaling your company, from John Humphrey and. From the CEO Academy with Pam Lasseter. Join us for next time to learn about what CEOs don't know. See you then. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to join us for another edition of CEO Academy with Pam Lasseter next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week for more tips from the professionals as you grow your career and your company to the top. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.